Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Mayo and I am the Hakatesical LibroCuber class. Just realized I forgot to set up my little button pushy thing soundboard. Yeah, you know what? Why don't we throw out a little, uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes action style uh, plug for the app that I use, which is called SimpleBoard. Uh, basically, what it allows you to do is create. Well, I have six here. I think mm, that might be the maximum. Maybe you can create more where you just push a button and it'll play uh, a sound. And you could sort of set up what sounds you want each button to correspond to, to, uh, you know, MP3 files on your phone. Pretty neat. Oh, MP3 files like this. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Bug Juice. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I, you know, I, I use that as a segue because it was a pretty good segue. However, I should have said at the top of the show, uh, you know, as I should say at the top of every show, which is, I might spoil things for you. I don't want to do that. If you haven't seen Red Heat from fucking... 1988 i don't want to spoil what happens so you know pause this go watch red heat from 1988 and then come back and you know listen to the podcast for some reason right wrong uh yeah uh, so <clears throat> i think maybe i teased this uh last episode that uh, had my uh, my my current sort of uh, core D and D group over for uh, the first since lockdown uh, gathering of people in my home that I have had uh, to do a little uh, mini uh, movie marathon. Uh, when does a mar- uh, uh, watching of movies become a marathon? We watched three, which you know I think three to four, t- two is not a marathon. I, I think we could all agree on that. Three, you're getting into movie marathon territory. I would argue. However, I do throw the word mini in front of it. Mini movie marathon. Four, I think, four and five, definitely full marathon territory. Because, you know, you're assuming they're, just for the sake of argument and easy math, two hours each. Two, four, six, eight. Eight hours of movies. You know, that's a goddamn marathon right there. Anyways... Uh, this was a sort of vibe that I was going for. Um... It, it's it's almost hard to pinpoint uh, what I was aiming for with these three movies of the vibe I was looking for. Kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, I suppose you could say, so bad it's good. A little bit of that. Um, but there's something more nebulous than that. You know what? I'll, uh, I'll talk about them and maybe by the end we can pinpoint it a little better. 
Movie the first, the aforementioned from 1988, Red Heat. It's funny because uh, the amount of times that I typed in or sort of searched Red Dawn by mistake was quite a few. Uh, Red Dawn is okay. That that one kind of, you know, I, I have seen it and it didn't knock me off my socks. I think they remade that too, which also, uh, the remake, I don't think was very good either. Anyways, Red, Red Heat, on the other hand, uh, a tough Russian policeman is forced to partner up with a cocky Chicago police detective when he is sent to Chicago to apprehend a Georgian drug lord who killed his partner and fled the country. Georgia, Russia, not Georgia, you know, peaches and such. Now, uh, uh, this sounds like a, a, a sort of classic buddy cop movie, so you got to have two very different people, which I think is where, if we can say this movie excels, which why... Sure, let's say that where this movie excels uh, is the differences between the two cops, because you have... Get this, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi and Arnold Schwarzenegger together at last in 1988. Yes, uh, you know, this is, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. One thing that was interesting to see over the course of this marathon uh, was that uh, uh, the, the people I had over, there was uh, me and a buddy who, you know, I've known since friggin' uh, 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 what's before kindergarten, whatever is before kindergarten. Uh, so I've known them that long. So we're the same age, obviously. <clears throat> uh, but then the other players in my group are all younger. They're all in their, uh, late twenties, I think, uh, 20, 30, they're, they're in that neighborhood. So, uh, they had not seen any of these movies, uh, combined with, uh, the sort of interesting thing to see was, uh, the pacing of 1988 uh, movies was definitely different, particularly something that we uh, we noticed was like the openings of movies really sort of took their time and eased their way into it. Uh, so, so that was interesting to see. A uh, lot of laughs, uh, uh, a lot of uh, ridiculous action, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, things that wouldn't fly today for sure, um, you know. Uh, rating wise, yeah, see, these uh, these types of movies hard to rate as well because do you rate them as if they are, you know, goddamn uh, Schindler's List or something like that, or do you rate them for what they are? I think I always lean towards rating them for what they are and the enjoyment I have while watching them. So, for that reason. Red Heat, I'll go four and change. I don't think it's a five, but uh, for what it is, uh, a four is easy. Uh, moving on to, from 1983, ooh, going back in time, Krull, K-R-U-L-L. A prince and a fellowship of companions sets out to rescue his bride from a fortress of alien invaders who arrived on their home planet. This is a fantasy movie with uh, sort of tinges of sci-fi, as that description indicates. Uh, uh, if you've never heard of Crawl, come on, man. Where have you been? Interesting. Some interesting things about this is uh, decided this was going to be among the movies because it has this vibe I'm looking for. The It's good. It's interesting. It's uh, a, a, a guy movie, quote unquote. Uh, I'm sure there are uh, women ex who exist who like the movie Crawl. Uh, however, I would hazard a guess that uh, uh, they are few and far between. 
uh, which probably says something of the intelligence of women because it's it's a dumb and you know not good. It's good, but it's not good. Ah, so hard to pinpoint these types of movies, but uh, so far I, I feel like a, I've set a vibe. I've set a vibe. Yeah, that that I could say. Um, interesting about this though is like uh, I had these movies selected like a month or so before uh, we we actually met and watched them, and uh, during the course of that month. Uh, I saw Matt Colville uh, tweet uh, repeatedly about Crawl, and I saw Paul Ross send a Crawl tweet, (laughs) which is very strange because this is not exactly a a, a well-known movie. It's quite often a a punchline movie, so maybe that's why... uh, why, or maybe it's just the fact that I had it on the mind that I, I, I was seeing these tweets, that sort of uh, idea. But it, it felt strange that I, I was seeing so much Kroll-related uh, uh, stuff around uh, in preparation to watch Kroll and uh, his famous uh, glaive. A lot of, lot of weird stuff in this movie. Um, beautiful. Uh, acting is, you know, hit and miss. Uh, uh Rating wise, I think I gotta go four and change as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely got that weird, you know. We've got a cyclops in there, wizard, old man. Uh, you you know what it has that I love, and this has come up uh, uh, innumerable times on the podcast that I love a quest. Uh, uh, quite often, easiest to find a quest in a book, uh, or or maybe a video game. Uh, you don't get as many quest related movies. Uh, maybe that's why I'm drawn towards this, but, uh, I would recommend crawl. Sure. Why not? The third and final film of this, uh, we jump ahead to 1997 starship troopers. Okay. So now that you know the three movies, what is their connection? What is their feel? What is their vibe? Do they deserve, do they fit somehow, some way? I feel like they do. Humans in a fascist, militarist, militaristic future. Okay, let's try this. This is the shortest description, and yet the hardest to read. Humans in a fascist, militaristic future wage. Future. We're missing grammar. That's why. Humans in a fascist, militaristic future wage war with giant alien bugs. Giant alien bugs. Um, okay, so let's say right off the bat that of the three movies, uh, this was the favorite, uh, particularly of the younger, uh, of the viewers, which sort of makes sense. It's a little more faster pace, uh, even nineties compared to eighties, uh, you do notice a difference. Um, it's also got that sort of amped, excuse me, that's disgusting, dumb, fun, uh, uh, ridiculous action. Uh, there's also boobs, which I think, uh, there was boobs <laughs> in red heat. I do remember, uh, opening scene of red heat took place in a, uh, uh, like a Russian bath. Uh, so we get to, you know, you, you get some Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, uh, <laughs> interesting way to stop, which not a scene I remember. Uh, yeah, just sort of on that note, I have seen all of these movies, uh, Red Heat, probably that was a second or third, I would, I, I would think third viewing. 
uh, Krull, I feel like that was maybe the second time I saw it, and the first was like way back in the day, so I remembered virtually nothing. Uh, Starship Troopers, got to be, you know, four or five. I've, I've seen that uh, quite a few, so remembered a fair amount. And uh, in a somewhat recent podcast episode, read the book as well, so it was interesting to see the uh, some of the differences and similarities there. Jeez, uh, Starship Troopers, I got to go five out of five. Yeah, it, it's... For what it is, just like a, a sort of perfect, ridiculous, uh, takes itself at times incredibly seriously, which makes it comedic. And then uh, other times, like when it does the fake commercial bits, uh, uh, very sort of satirical. So it, it, it sort of jumps back and forth, which is uh, a, an interesting take. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, movies, Starship Troopers. Let's push this button next. Television Talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Dalgona Sugar Cookies. Thank you for that sponsorship. We are talking Squid Game. Oh, yes. The uh, uh, Korean television program on Netflix that's sweeping the nations. I say nations plural because uh, I know it's popular in the U.S. and I am in Canada where uh, apparently it's equally popular. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so I uh, saw a preview for this a while back and uh, looked up my alley. Uh, 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 it's funny. Uh, saw the preview with the missus, and she, she doesn't like uh, uh, weird weird stuff. And it, and it did look weird. The, the preview looked weird. Uh, you pull individual scenes from this and sort of throw up a picture of them, and it's going to look like a weird show. Um, not to mention subtitles, which, uh, she doesn't do a uh, fan of just sort of on that note, I started watching it with, uh, uh, dubs rather than subs, but that lasted about five minutes. Cause Jesus, like, uh, uh, sort of famously subs, uh, subtitles are better than, uh, dubs, uh, which stands for dubbed, I guess. Um, it, it's always sort of famously better, I, I guess, because you're getting the actual actor's sort of real voice and take, uh, rather than someone just recording it. Um, however, this was really bad. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm glad I, uh, stuck with it. That's the other thing I feel like with, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure I've said this before, subtitled things, whereas normally, you know, I'm, uh, playing a video game while watching a movie or uh, uh, watching the television show, have that on in the background while I'm, you know, doing something else, the, that sort of thing with, with the subtitled show, you're, you, you got to pay attention. There's, there's no other way. You can't just sort of wing it. Uh, uh, so you, for that reason, I feel like maybe you, uh, uh more easily get invested or, uh, it sort of pulls you in more, which this did, uh, just on that note, rating wise to get it out of the way before I forget, uh, do I go five out of five? No, uh, I don't. I go four to five and, uh, I, I'll tell you why there were, I'm going to try not to give too much away here. There were t a couple, a few, some, uh, sort of twists, uh, uh, uh you know, uh, Shyamalan-esque, uh, uh, twists that I saw coming, which, uh, uh, you know, I have that, uh, you know, you, you see these twists coming and then they happen like, oh yeah, I was right. Wow. I'm a smart person. Uh, but then there's the disappointment of, oh, 
Okay, well, I'm right. Uh, that's a shame that I kind of saw that coming. I wish they had to surprise me. So, you know, it's it, it's the give and take. Uh, I would prefer uh, uh, to be surprised, which is why I always take a mark off for when I'm not. Uh, so that's the fortify. So uh, uh, the gist of Squid Game is, uh, uh, you know, uh, get a couple hundred people to compete for money each time one of the people dies in the various crazy games that they're playing. Uh, more money goes into the pot. Last person standing gets the money in the pot. Uh, this particular series of uh, uh, Squid Games uh, had 456 players. Uh, however, I don't know if that is the sort of always number because apparently they've been playing this for years. Uh, just on the note of that, uh, there's some seemingly, and I feel like they just dipped their toe in it, maybe setting it up for next or, uh, uh, yeah, next season. Uh, there's a lot of lore sort of built around this. It felt like, like, um, we see a room at one point with records from uh, previous games, like who won, uh, uh, the the deets of the uh, of the players, that sort of thing. Um, and they did at the very end of this. Uh, this is not really a spoiler so much as you know they 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 created a, a scenario in which the possibility of a, a another season exists. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you know, will we see more? I feel like it would be strange if we didn't, just for the reason that this is so incredibly popular. Uh, which is uh, good to see that uh, uh, non-English, you know, uh, non-all-white cast <laughs> television shows can be as popular as this. Uh, I hope we see more of that. Because when you think about it, just... You know, even from a non-racist standpoint, <laughs> standpoint, just from a simple math standpoint, if you allow... Uh, uh, all peoples of earth to create uh, content uh, uh, that much more likely you're going to have content that is good because there's so much more of it that you're uh, exposed to. So, you know, also not being racist is nice. Yay. Uh, incredibly bloody. Uh, the characters I found uh, uh, very were sort of I'm going to say well-rounded, but uh, flushed out. And uh, 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 the, odd, the odd funny moment, but definitely the odd just sort of devastatingly sad moments as well. Uh, it really ran the gamut. And they ran some gamuts. Ran some gamuts. Game Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Auntie Cleo's Diet Toothpaste. Thank you for that sponsorship. Alright, uh, we are talking The Outer Worlds. Oh, remember this one that came out back in... Where did it come out? 2019. Oh, okay. For some reason I thought it was a little older than that. Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, I remember when this came out, looked right up my alley. Uh, it was from a studio who had created games that I had thoroughly enjoyed. Obsidian Entertainment. Um, my only sort of, uh, 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 like, uh, hesitation, <laughs> as I hesitate in that sentence, uh, was, uh, 
I don't really know what it was. It's just, it's not one that I picked up right away for whatever reason. It was always sort of on my radar and one in which I waited for a, a, a steam summer sale or winter sale. I can't actually remember, but I do remember I purchased it during one of those sales and finally dusted it off and it was okay. Yeah, uh, I, I almost can't pinpoint why I didn't uh, love it, despite the fact that seemingly it has all these things in it that I should have loved. Uh, it had a bit of a Borderlands feel, uh, both in terms of sort of tone as well as uh, uh, the sort of sh uh, crap ton of guns you can get. Actually, you can't get uh, nearly as many guns as you can in Borderlands, but you can mod them fairly significantly and sort of upgrade them. Uh, so, so, so that had that sort of vibe a little bit. Um, yeah, th there was funny moments, which, uh, you know, it's hard to do in a video game for whatever reason. Uh, I know we've discussed that before, that for some reason, funny video games don't... Ones that sort of make you laugh out loud compared to other mediums, uh, that doesn't happen, you know, often or at all. Uh, but this one definitely had funny moments. Uh, I went, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a, a role-playing, choose-your-own-adventure, that style of... Uh, kind of sort of open worlds or open worlds I should say as we're uh, in a uh, solar system where you can sort of fly around and do various missions I didn't do too many of the side missions I did complete the main quest though and I went a sort of uh <laughs> probably having to do with the fact that uh, I'm disliking work so much uh and probably won't be doing so uh, for much longer mm, behind the scenes action uh went with a sort of anti-corporate, uh, uh, fuck the, fuck the man, eat the rich sort of, uh, 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 RPG, RP, uh, sorry, uh, uh, playthrough. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, rating wise, beautiful. Yeah, definitely. A, a, it's a, a game where uh, I wish the worlds were bigger. Uh, the, the planets that you can go down on and just sort of wander around. Uh, so some, some definite cool and beautiful visuals there. Uh, when you're in ships and stuff, which you were fairly often, uh, I think particularly in the main storyline, maybe less so in the side missions, um, felt kind of samey after a while. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go 3.692 for repeating. Sure, the outer worlds, uh, it was fine. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is BattleBots. Thank you for that sponsorship. All right, uh, we have a new podcast uh, that I am sure is going to be very popular. Uh, new, not in terms of just me listening to it, just in terms of there's only been one episode so far. Uh, however, when you have someone like Seth Rogen uh, uh, at, at the wheel of the podcast, uh, you know, it's going to be probably popular. Storytime with Seth Rogen. Jesus Christ, the production values of this podcast are... I would say for sure the highest I've ever heard in any podcast ever period full stop uh it just an insane amount of 
post-production work uh, that's, you know, I, I could see, and let me preface this with, I don't really care. <laughs> I have a podcast that no one, no one's listening to this right now. So honestly, this, this doesn't bug me, but if you are like a, a podcast with say, you know, you got a thousand listeners and you're, you're, you're stuck struggling to make it work. And, uh, uh, you never really have seemed to be able to find any traction and you've been doing it for years. Uh, and, and then suddenly Seth Rogen comes along. Uh, and he's got just seemingly a massive team, uh, uh, working on his podcast, uh, editing, uh, post-production, just, just a shit ton of money and people involved and can just with one episode have more downloads than the entirety of your podcast. It's going to be a little disheartening and I under, and I can understand people, you know, uh, uh, disliking when uh, celebrities sort of come into a space where they've been trying to, uh, trying to, uh, uh, gain holds, gain followers or whatever you want to say. Uh, I get it. I don't care because <laughs> I've sort of come to terms. Uh, 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 fortunately I will say that uh, no one listens to us and and there's sort of a, a freedom in that which i'm very much looking forward to episode 600 you know what's funny uh just on that note this is episode 590 i didn't realize i was so close like uh i i think i was in the 580s i'm like oh yeah we still got a bunch of time uh i have things planned for uh episode 600 one thing in particular i'm excited about but uh i, I gotta start getting on the ball uh, soon uh, and, and get that, uh, in the can as they say. Anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, so he sat down with, oh shoot, I forget her name and, uh, I'm not a professional and not good at this, so I don't uh, have it available to me. Uh, she sat down with a, uh, comedian, comedian. Yeah. I think she's a comedian. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, yeah, was a comedian and, uh, spoke of a sort of story where she met Paul Rust and then he reached out to Paul Russ and acted about the story. And then Paul Russ told the story and then he reached out to the person he mentioned the story and it was this sort of cool, uh, chain, <laughs> chain of, uh, little brief interviews, sort of, a uh, jumping, from this girl's story back and forth and, uh, just, uh, I, I cannot stress how, uh, uh, incredible, just sort of an audio experience it was. Yeah. Uh, it was only half hour long, which, you know, I like, a, I like a long podcast, but maybe that is where the trade-off is. It's a little shorter, but a little more edited. Yeah. That's, there's a sort of logic to that. Uh, definitely going to continue on and uh, see what we see, but if the first episode is any, uh, uh, any judge, uh, this, this will be an, uh, interesting, uh, an interesting podcast, uh, going forward. We will see, uh, plus, you know, Seth Rogen, fellow Canadian and, uh, uh, uh sort of, I think famously very nice. Uh, I've always sort of heard he's a nice person. Never heard any Seth Rogen horror stories, <laughs> which is, you know, the, the fact that you could say Seth Rogen horror story and laugh because that seems so unlikely. I think even that is a good sign. Moving on to, oh, kind of a sad one, but uh, uh, interesting and uh, uh, heartwarming. Uh, 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 Adam Savage recently toured uh, Grant Imahara's uh, shop um, with a, a friend of his who was sort of, I guess, renting it to Grant and uh, he, who Adam has worked with, uh, you know, for years and years and years, and they sort of toured it around. Uh, it's, it's very interesting, and they did comment on this uh, because it is so obvious, uh, the way in which... 
these 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 crafters these makers have their shop set up uh in how not only it's can be you know i don't want to say vastly different but uh, significantly different uh is sort of a you can sort of see their personality uh, in how their shops are uh, set up and how they exist and, and, and what's on display. And uh, Grant's shop and the sort of level of... Uh, well, compared to Avin, uh, Adam's shop, which is... You know, uh, it looks cluttered. I know he can find stuff and he's got it set up how he wants. But I, I think even he would admit that if you were just, just sort of walk into his shop and walk into Grant's shop... Uh, uh, his would look like it had exploded in some way, whereas Grant's was like a place for everything, everything in its place, which I know Adam does. I know Adam does. It just doesn't look like he does that. Uh, and, and everything sort of neat and tidy and, uh, squared away. And, uh, I, I, I can guarantee should I somehow, some way, uh, become a maker one day, yeah, you never know. I'm only 40. I got another some odd years. Uh, my shop would definitely be more of a Grant's, uh, Imahara style. Maybe, you know what, you could have a, you could have a, a corner of your shop, an Adam Savage style corner where it's just a fucking, uh, 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 a beautiful, uh, a beautiful explosive mess with, with order hidden within. Um, we saw, which I didn't realize, or maybe I did, uh, Grant's used to, uh, work on battle bots or, I don't know if you call it work on, but he created a battle bot. Uh, I, I think a somewhat famous one too. Uh, so that was cool. We got to see that his, uh, his monitor setup was uh, pretty impressive. I had like six monitors. I got, uh, three right now. Uh, one of them's like just a TV though. Uh, yeah, I got a pretty sweet setup cause, uh, was working from home. So, you know, uh, important to have, uh, uh, your, your home work area. I feel, uh, uh, be comfortable yeah workable but also comfortable which uh, seemingly is something he worked towards aesthetically pleasing hmm. uh then you know the the sort of sadness of uh, uh the fact that uh, grant uh, passed away so young uh so that was sort of uh, uh to hear them reminisce you know it's just a sad circumstance uh, uh did want to mention the uh grant imhara steam foundation uh, uh, you want to check that out. It is a nonprofit organization founded by Grant's mother, uh, and several of his lifelong friends. Uh, so if you want to look more into that, I would recommend doing so. Uh, moving on to Isaac Asimov on the David Letterman show in 1980. Yeah. Uh, YouTube is really a, a sort of a wonderful and beautiful place where things like this exist. <laughs> uh, David Letterman in 1980, uh, you know, it's a definitely very different vibe. His, uh, very old, which, you know, I was going to say very old school feel. Of course it's an old school feel. It's fucking 1980. Uh, but then he had on Isaac, uh, Isaac, uh, Isaac Asimov, which is not someone who I thought of ever really doing talk show interviews. However, obviously he had, and, uh, he spoke of a lot of, uh, you know, not surprisingly sort of, uh, uh futuristic things, uh, threw in some predictions as well. Some of which 
I will say have come to pass and some of which did not. So it was also sort of uh, uh, interesting to see that as well. I recommend checking it out just for a sort of a piece of history. If, if nothing else, then it, uh, it was sort of entertaining and David Letterman, obviously, so uh, fun as well. Um, moving on to the last and final item, uh, Z Bradshaw. Yeah, I haven't brought him back in a while. I'm sure I have before in the past. He is a, a D&D related uh, YouTube channel. Uh, he just posted a video uh, uh, from my perspective, just from your perspective, a little while ago because I have some episodes in the can, as I have mentioned. Uh, he uh, did a video about why no large characters. Yeah, so if you're unfamiliar with D&D, uh, your characters can be tiny, small, medium, which is uh, where where basically everything is. Uh, large, uh, huge. Let's ooh, let's see if I can remember them all off the top of my head. Large, huge, gargantuan. Uh, am I missing one? I feel like I'm missing one. One of the larger ones. Anyways, um, and it, it all has to do with how many uh, squares your uh, uh your your character takes up so medium takes up one and uh, large is uh, uh, two uh, is four squares you see what i mean so the, the 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 sort of math there means a couple of things first that if you take up four squares uh the 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 tiles that you have the ability to attack is more also you could have more attacks against you um and there, there's various other maths that make it difficult uh one thing he threw out which i liked in particular was uh a, a sort of challenge to be able to come up with a way to make it work um my initial thought was um, because there's sort of advantages uh, and disadvantages, although the advantages are probably more, particularly if you get like a, a weapon with a reach, that becomes difficult, is maybe you say to offset it that uh, whereas normally when you're attacking, uh, you can attack in a 360 degree uh, arc around yourself. Uh, so you don't really need to pay attention to which direction your character is facing. Perhaps, uh, and there's some logic to this, uh, with a large character, it's easier for, uh, uh, you know, baddies, creatures to, uh, get around behind you, uh, that you can only, uh, attack with, uh, within a, a certain arc in front of you. So, uh, attacks that come from behind, um, it would add something to your character that you would have to do that no other characters would have to do, which is uh, pay attention and sort of track which way your character is facing, which is, you know, something else to track, which uh, you can lead to not fun. <laughs> but uh, that was sort of my initial idea off the top of my head. Uh, th there's got to be other ways to make it work. Uh, but it is a very sort of math, <laughs> which is not my strong suit, uh, a, a math intensive solution is needed. Uh, and, and I feel like mine has potential, but uh, I don't know, it would need testing. Anyways, uh, just sort of a fun video in general, but I like that he threw out at the end this sort of little little brain teaser uh, to get your D&D uh, &D, uh, uh, thoughts, your, 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 your DM thoughts, that hotties over there. 
uh, in order. Uh, get them percolating. Get them, get them, get them used. Flex those D&D muscles, why don't you folks? We did it. We did it. It's nice to be nice. <clears throat> to the nice. <clears throat> this is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.